Parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Welcome to Ashland University's Professional Learning Podcast. This is your host, Dr. David Silverberg. So we have with us today, Dr. Tim Conrad. Tim is the founder and principal consultant of Resilient Resources, LLC. He teaches courses in applied psychology and digital danger. Uh, He teaches at uh, New York University and Ashland University. And previous to that, he taught at Ohio State University, University of Dayton, and Capital University. He is the co-author of Digital Danger. If you think your kid is safe online, think again. He also works in the Pickaway Correctional Institute Rideout Program, and you may have seen him on ABC. So uh, welcome to uh, today, and we look forward to getting your insights. What a pleasure to be here with you. David, I love collaborating with you over the years. I'm going to give you a pat on the back. You're always somebody that we work on these projects together with, and it stretches my brain, and I stretch and grow, increasing my comfort zone. So it's always a pleasure to work with you and the folks at Ashland. And brother, this is one big area where we are trying to stretch and grow. We are out of our comfort zones with what's happening with the restrictions with the coronavirus. Um, I want to just share with you my little view of the world, David, because it was so nice catching up with you before hearing your view of the world. And um, what I'm doing to try to make sure I'm contagious with possibility and contagious with um, courage and contagious and spreading around positivity and not spreading around that coronavirus, baby. So I've made up my mind that in my work, that's the mindset I'm approaching this. So the mindset that I'm trying to do, David, is to make sure that I'm emerging from this a little better than I was before the restrictions. And that's my template. That's my mile marker. That's my view of the world. I'm a very positive person. Um, I don't spend much time admiring the problem. And so right back at you, brother, because I know you're the same way. Well, tell me what you have to say to administrators out there. These are people that are trying to be leaders in a very confusing situation. So I know you have a counseling background. Also, too, of course, you've worked in the correctional ed setting. Uh, You have experience with behavioral health and digital platforms. So please give us some insight and advice. This is about as big a shot to the brain as we can have as a nation. So the impact, I was talking with David earlier, he's got a model of the brain that his son drew behind him. The impact on our brain is profound. And so we know that as far as the brain goes, bad is stronger than good. And so it's really shaking things upside down. Um, Most social psychologists believe that it takes four positives to unseat one negative event. And because these are happening in several different domains of our lives, um, we need to be stacking up positives. We need to be stacking up the wins for our faculty and staff who are out there doing the hard work every day, working directly with students, reaching out with them and making sure that our faculty and staff are stacking up their own wins. They did not sign up to teach tele-health. They did not sign up 
to work and teach through digital platforms like Zoom, Atrio, Blackboard. That's not what they signed up for. That's what we have now. So how can we respond to this challenge? I think by best supporting those teachers who are in the field who are trying to migrate their on-ground learning into the um, digital world. Um, I think Tell me a little bit about your, the concerns that you might have regarding the digital world. Can it go too far? And in what ways, what are the things to be concerned about? Yeah, we push, push, push. Hey, engage these kids, strive out, reach to these kids. Um, one of the things I'm working with my interns on at NYU is make sure you're using district approved means to communicate with students. So use platforms that the district approves of. Make sure that the younger the student is, the more the parent is the loop on the communication. If we're meeting with elementary kids, those parents or guardians in some way should be a part of those discussions we're having with the kids. Um, I think that's powerful. This is not a time for your faculty to go rogue and use the soft software that they like. It's also not a time to be frozen in place. So we do need to reach out, make sure our students are okay, reconnect with them, learn with, teach them the best we can, assess their learning the best we can, regroup over the summer, and think about ways to reload and harness this powerful digital technology again in the fall, because, um, you know, I, I don't know what um, the folks listening to this think of this, but um, it's hard for me to imagine going back to uh, stacking in uh, the biggest high school I worked with was I was a high school counselor. There were 3,000 students in there. I can't imagine them cramming 3,000 kids back into a school building um, August 15th. So well, let's talk a little bit about the long-term ramifications. Uh, or as you see it, what do you think is going to last from this experience? What do you think is going to go back to the old days, so to speak? I think that one of the things that can and should last is the use of tele telecommunication software. David, we're initially doing this before our producer strips off the audio from this on Zoom, which is a powerful telecommunication software package that, if used correctly, um, is a valuable tool to use. I think that the mode of instruction that we're teaching our kids with obviously and oddly is a great career enhancer. So my students who are finishing up at NYU this term, I'm really pushing them hard because they learn from me via Zoom. They learn to teach on Zoom themselves. They learn to use Atrio, the platform embedded in Zoom. So I think that one of the takeaways is boy, how can we use some of this powerful technology to better inform our teachers about the learning of the students? And how can we work on that? I've noticed my grad students are a little foggy and um, the asynchronous material that I leave behind in the platform for them, they spiral back and look at it because it's taken them more time to grind through the content because of what's happening to them right now. Before we would work with certain students who had trauma in their life, it might be student A or student B. Now, pretty much my take on this is that we have a low level or high level of trauma, depending on your zip code, of what's happening. And with that comes, um, it's tougher to learn. It's tougher to um, engage the prefrontal cortex. Our amygdala is firing all the time. That, that feeling part of our brain, we're on alert and looking. And the more we can engage the prefrontal cortex, the quicker we'll recover. But it'll take more time because our brain is looking for threats because, you know, there's in our state, the governor calls it a monster that's lurking and could pounce at any time. Dude, that's called fear in my mind. 
And so if that kind of message is being sent, our students are hearing that and our parents are hearing that. So can we help them at least when they come into our schools on ground or at least when we engage them digitally, can we at least help them calm down so that they can rest, digest, and absorb the content we're trying to share with them? I think that's a, that's a big, big step for us as educators. We, we know how to do that in a traditional classroom. I used to be an elementary teacher early in my career. I'd turn out the lights when they come in and they were noisy from recess. Well, there are ways we can learn to do that in the digital world too. So that they talk to you, if you could speak a little bit to how a teacher, an administrator, or a counselor sitting in their home can actually have an impact on real kids uh, sitting in their homes who may be feeling the kind of fears that you're talking about. I mean, how does that, what is, how does that actually work? When, um, when my students check in at NYU, now it's a little different because it's a graduate program in counselor education. And so one of the things I have them check in with are a series of emojis across the screen. And I have them annotate that emoji, which is a skill. <laughs> okay, how do you annotate an emoji using this platform? And by how are you feeling today? And it's from sad to happy, and there's six in between. And that's a way to poll. It's a way to check how your class is at the moment. It engages the kid in the learning, but it also helps them understand that you care about what their emotion is. I believe that you name it to tame it with emotion. And let's get that out of the way. If you're angry, sad, upset, name it. And then we'll talk about it. And that takes some of the sting out of it. David, the other thing I have is an elephant that I have on my screen and it is in a room and I tell them what is the elephant in the room so depending on the age of the kid a younger kid might have trouble with the abstractness of this but we can still teach them that the elephant is the coronavirus let's just name it now what makes that screen shrink and David I'm moving my hands down and making that screen shrink and over to the right I have my students list what are the actions you are taking? In the mental health field, that's called agency. Stuck and unfulfilled means you don't have any agency. You're not gonna make anything happen. So I start to have them say, the way to shrink that elephant, you know, they can name the elephant. You know, they can, whatever they want. And, but I want them to stack up their wins and what are the things they're accomplishing? And win number one is they've logged on. Maybe using that Chromebook that the superintendent just, sent out through their tech department into those kids and they've been able to find some space in their home. Well, that's a win because now they're reconnecting with their teachers. So those two things are really powerful. The, um, it takes a lot of um, nimbleness with technology to learn to instruct, but that's not what I'm talking about right now. I'm talking about connecting with kids in a safe and approved way that the district can feel good about. And then at some point regrouping, realigning and think, is this a hybrid approach? What can we learn from this to offer on ground, to make our instruction more on point, to shape our curriculum, to work for gaps? What, what was it that our teachers didn't know how to do, our administrators didn't know, and our kids didn't know how to do that the rest of the world knows how to do to keep business going on. So and you I think, think something good come, I'm sorry, keep going. I think that's a huge opportunity for growth. I think if, you know, we'll spout and have our staffs read growth mindset 
and talk about, oh, we got to approach things with a growth mindset and our kids have to do it. And I love Dweck's philosophy, but we have to do it. We have to grow through challenge toward opportunity. And what are these things teaching me that I may not want to hear, but will allow me to be a better provider of education to my students? So I'm are- worried about the income gap disparity, and I'm really worried about the learning gap disparity being exacerbated by this, David. Tell me a little bit more about those equity issues and as you, as you see them and understand them and what your concerns are or hopes. I was so happy to see that the schools extended out the Wi-Fi from the school. A lot of school, now I shouldn't say the schools, but many schools I'm familiar with have extended their Wi-Fi out so kids could drive up or parents could drive up and access the Wi-Fi there or walk up or bike up. Um, I'm pleased with that. I'm pleased with the uh, hardware coming to them. What I worry about um, is the the kids who on ground struggled with motivation. How how is that going to translate to the digital world? So who is coaching them to show up and attend a class or if they've just kind of dropped content on them to go get that dropped content and try to work their way through it. Who is helping them do that at home? I can tell you that depends by income. That depends by zip code, how engaged a percentage of our students are. And I'm really worried that some of our kids who want to engage aren't able to engage because they don't have the kind of support that they're needing. Hey, it's Maslow's hierarchy. If that home is worried about, Um, keeping the lights on and keeping food coming in and I just lost my job or I'm afraid I lost my job and I can't sit home with this kid and do this. Um, You know, that's not the disadvantage that some of our students have. So I see the advantage kind of moving forward and I don't like saying that. And I think that the disadvantage, there are pockets of kids who are are, going to be left behind. That's my take. Is there anything leaders need to know that. Yeah, well, tell me more about that. They, if you think they need to know that. Tell me what they need to know and what they can do, what you think they should do or could do to help try and fix that. There are some powerful, powerful tools that even in the asynchronous world, the world where you don't have to be communicating live like Dr. Silverberg and I are doing right now, you don't need to do that. So they can um, have skill refresh packets popped down into Um, places where the kids can learn. We don't have to open up the building for a summer school-like experience. You may have an academic coach who works through kids with identified gaps in their learning. Um, I worked, you know, 10 years ago, I was working with a school district that had online credit recovery. Dude, that was 10 years ago. Think technology's gotten better in 10 years? So that software exists and you've got some young hotshot teachers out there and old dogs like me who still want to learn new things who would jump at the opportunity to work with kids who want to grow their skills and do it digitally so they can see their progress. The days are gone when it's like, I got to refresh on algorithms. I'm sorry, son, but I covered that in October. And it's February now. You got to wait till next. What? What? No. So we can harness some of these powerful digital tools out there. And we've got some young teachers and some seasoned teachers who really want a different challenge. 
Some teachers don't. Great. On ground works great for some kids. More power to them. But some kids can harness that. That's my take. I'm getting all fired. Too many cups of coffee. Keurig, man. I got to be careful with Keurig, David. Well, I like where you're going with your positive thinking and the, the, the silver lining in all this. Um, I think we all have to look for some positive outcomes, and, and I think you pointed out several here. Could you speak a little bit to how you see this uh, pandemic impacting the educational experience uh, in the correctional ed environment and what the possibilities are there? Yeah, I think that's scary. I mean, one of the things is, you know, if somebody's coughing a couple bunks above me, <laughs> holy smokes, and I can't choose to social distance, when I'm out doing my walking or jogging and somebody approaches me from the other direction, they, they um, cross the street away from me like I'm wielding a chainsaw, man. Well, those folks in those correctional institutes don't have that ability. So they're on heightened alert right now to be able to do that. And I think that one of the things that's beautiful about education is the way into that facility Dude, it wasn't education, but the way out sure can be skill enhancement, degree enhancement, certificate enhancement. And those folks who are in there who have the capacity to keep learning with Ashland's university program, with other programs that bring the learning to them. Is your program at Pickway Correctional, the, uh, the ride-out program, is that being uh, impacted by this, and what are you seeing there? Yeah, it's really sad. That's being paused, and, the, and part of the, the difficulty we overcome with the inmates is that, oh, you, you're never going to come back, right? You're going to come one month and never come back. And it's taken us three years to get to the point where um, they can count on us coming back and um, working with them on these projects that are really meaningful to them. Um, and, you know, it's, we're going on month three now where they've been away from us. We have no way of communicating with them. Um, I don't know what they're thinking about us, um, but we're thinking about them. So, and we have adult mentors in that program who are adult convicts who mentor the younger students who are in that program. And um, we're thinking about them a lot too. But we are, um, there's no way for us to assist them with that. But we're going to emerge from this with increased vigor about this program and enhance it and go back after it as soon as we can be on ground with those folks. Well, and I can see the visual here with you on Zoom that, that folks listening to this audio cannot. And it looks like uh, you moved by that, what you're sharing. You look like you're Absolutely. turning up a little bit. Absolutely. Thanks for your time today. We really appreciate it. I know you're part of the positive force moving forward in, in getting people back on track uh, through this and after this terrible pandemic. Uh, is there contact information you could share for people that want to follow up with you? Yeah, you may contact me. Um, probably the easiest way so you don't get batted around is Tim, T-I-M-L Conrad. So Tim L. Conrad at gmail.com. And I'm glad to share my ideas about what I'm trying to do to get things moving, baby. That's what I think. Hey, thanks, Tim. You got it, brother. Take care, David. Keep fighting the fight. This podcast is licensed under Creative Commons. <laughs>